Hello team and welcome back to the Simply Fit Podcast. Today I bring you some incredible news. I have been working on a secret project for the past three or four months now and I now can tell you that the brand new follow along workout channel is live and here. On this YouTube channel, you're gonna find workouts for fat loss, muscle building, improving your cardio health, flexibility, everything is gonna be on there. You're gonna find body weight workouts, dumbbell workouts, kettlebell and resistance bands workouts, all that you can follow along with. And the best part is that it's completely free. They're also around 10 to 20 minutes long, meaning if you're short of time, you can quickly complete an effective workout or you can combine like two or three of them together and complete like a full 45 to 60 minute workout. New workouts will go live on the channel every Tuesday and Thursday and they're gonna be accompanied by an amazing backdrop, which I'm sure you're all gonna enjoy. So if you wanna find the channel, just search Elliot Hassoon into YouTube and you'll find it very easily. And please subscribe. It makes me very, very happy and it helps the channel grow. And feel free to tell your friends, your family, your pets, whoever you want to share this with and let's work out together. Welcome back to the Aina McNamara podcast. Today we have Elliot Hassoon on the podcast who is a an online coach and also owner of a podcast himself. What's the name of the podcast again? It's the Simply Fit Podcast. Simply Fit po- Podcast. So he should be well versed in podcasts anyway and we're going to cover all things kind of gen pop and just see where see where this takes us. So just Elliot for anyone that doesn't know you, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you're up to? Yeah, absolutely. So first of all, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. So really appreciate it. I'm looking forward to the conversation we're going to have today. But a little bit about myself. I am primarily a health and fitness coach. I have my own online health and fitness coaching business, which is called EH Coaching, where essentially our goal is to take the person who's been after getting in the shape of their life, whether that's with their health and well-being or whether that is like a body composition goal, get them to where they want to be, hopefully end the cycle of them going through diets and training plans that feed not successful, and then ultimately get them to a position where they can sustain it long-term. So that's the goal of the coaching service. And I'm primarily working with a lot of clients on that front. And then when it comes to the podcast, the mission is just to simplify uh, the health and fitness industry as much as possible. You know how much there is like it's a massive information, which is amazing, but it can be easy to get lost in all that information. It can get easy to overcomplicate things. So my goal of the podcast is just to give the people who listen simple and actionable takeaways that they can apply to their health and fitness journey. So those are the two things that mainly keep me very busy. Cool. Perfect. Um, and how did you get into health and fitness? Was that always something that was an interest of yours or how did you get to where you are now, I guess? Mm. Yeah. So I think health and fitness necessarily wasn't that much of an interest to me in the early stages of my life. It was more sport. I was very, very interested in sport. Uh, typically, the, the whole football route, which is quite uh, typical of those who grew up in the UK, um, went for about skateboarding for a little bit. That kind of took a little bit of yeah, a side road down to skateboarding. And I wasn't really that into sport or anything like that. Nutrition had no place in my life, realistically, other than the healthy food that my mom attempted to feed us. But yeah, realistically, no interest in that whatsoever. Until I was just finding myself with the food that I was eating, just getting a little bit chubbier, a little bit chubbier, getting a few more comments in the, the boys' PE changing room when I was younger. And I was just like, mm, this is this is not cool. Um, and I was getting a little bit uncomfortable. I used to go to like the toilet cubicles to get changed during the PE lessons and everything along those lines. And I have to give credit to 14, 15-year-old earlier for having the insight of like, what can you do about this? And I think I just mm-hmm. went down the route of just a big, long Google search on like, you know, how to get, I think I literally searched like how to get a body like Zac Efron or David Beckham or something like that. And it was all about like high protein, low carb diets. And I was like, right, let me give this a go. So I went and raided my freezers, see what we had that was, you know, more leaning in the direction of protein. Although as much as my parents tried, they don't have like an extensive nutritional knowledge base, or at least they didn't at that time. So I just kind of started separating myself from what everyone else was eating, eating the things in my freezer that seemed like a little bit more protein based. I signed up to a gym before that I was doing like tricep dips in my bathtub. And I got like a one to three kilo dumbbell set for like my 14th or 15th birthday. And I just got lost in it from there. And if I'm honest, like that's what kicked it all off, kept growing. I kept, you know, falling in love with it, saw the changes within my body as well. Very unusual for a 14, 15 year old boy at that time, like however many years ago that was to be interested in something like that. So it was like, everyone was like, oh, Elliot's, you know, going to the gym, he's doing all this stuff. And I was like, I think I liked that aspect of it. And I also saw the changes and yeah, that, that evolved into me becoming a personal trainer. And that's pretty much the story. I've just evolved ever since to what I do today. 
Perfect. That's uh, there's a lot of similarities between yourself and myself. I got into the gym around the same time as well. Was mm. not really big into fitness whatsoever, and I actually used to pretend I was injured all the time when when I did show up to school to go to PE because that's how much I kind of hated it. And it was more that I didn't want to be in the PE change rooms because you'd be picked on and shit like that. And I was like, oh, fuck this. Uh, and that's when I went, right, I need to do, what can I do? And it was literally the same kind of questions. Like, right, I'm not going to sit in this for the rest of my life. What can I do to change this now? And it was like, I've heard about the gym. Let me join the gym and ask mom, can you buy me a membership? I've no money. She did, thankfully. And then that's evolved to here as well. So it's funny yeah. to see the similarities anyway. No, it's really interesting because that's the thing. Like I loved PE and sport and everything along those lines, but it was just like, that wasn't enough to keep me in shape. I wasn't like a genetically blessed kid. You know, one of those, yeah. those children who just had Athletes. abs from the, yeah, the moment they were like 10 years old, I was like on the chubbier side, thank you to my, my genetics. And then I would just eat whatever, like you do as a child, you go to the shop after the school, you eat whatever. I was a super active child and I liked PE and stuff like that. I wasn't particularly gifted, but like I said, you know, you know, as we know, <laughs> nutrition is a very, very big part of the story. Even if you're 14, 13 years old and you, you feel like you're running around the football field, it's like, you know, you can, you can put away a lot of calories as a child yeah, and an adult, as a sure. matter of fact. <laughs> so in terms of, cause you kind of mentioned the nutritional knowledge mm -hmm. that your parents maybe didn't have, and that's no like fault of their own. Absolutely. I think that the knowledge should be kind of given to us in school or somewhere along the line so that we at least know um what's what what determines not a i'm not for good and bad foods but what's a better choice in terms of food what does a healthy dinner actually look like what are calories how do you gain weight how do you lose weight all of these things are like they're actually although there's a lot of information they're talking about them they're actually hard to find because when you search how do you how do i lose weight you're going to get like keto pills coming up you're going to get like the zac efron diet coming up you're going to get all this stuff and it's going to be hard to find that information. So how do you or where do you kind of recommend people go in the first place to even start to expand their knowledge around nutrition and weight loss in general? Mm, I think the beauty of nowadays is that although there is a lot more information, I think it's a little bit more solid. You know, there mm. is a lot more people out there like yourself and myself putting out practical knowledge, knowledge on social media when social media didn't exist when I was looking into it, right? Yeah. So, I mean, you can just follow a few coaches and get some valuable tips these days, whereas before it'd be like, where do you even look for that? So, you know, when it comes to the knowledge that my parents have, like, I don't like think that my mom was not well versed in nutrition for example she knew what healthy quote-unquote foods were but she didn't have an idea about needing protein or uh, a calorie calorie deficit for example or energy balance to put it simply so that was the struggle that you know those people back then had they only had a limited amount of information so i think that realistically i would get people to go after looking into where they primarily like to consume information, whether that's YouTube, whether that is, you know, whether that's Instagram or something like that. And it seems like, okay, really you recommend people's social media to get their information. But I'm like, at the end of the day, am I going to tell someone to go read a nutrition book and are they actually going to do that? No, but I'm going to mm. go and, you know, ask them to look into something like a podcast and go to a podcast that's ranking high. I think social media, like, and go to YouTube videos. I know this isn't always the best advice that have a lot of views on them because usually it's for a reason. I think podcast is a little bit better. I think YouTube, you can get away with getting a lot of views by just doing clickbaity click stuff, yeah. but exactly. But if you're on a, if you're ranking well on a podcast and you go to the top 20, there's a reason why people are out there and listening to that. It's not hard. It's not easy. I should say to have a high ranking podcast and therefore you're going to get a lot of so, um, solid information. There's going to be room for nuance as well. And it's a lot easier to consume that too. So I think the real thing is less about where they get the information from, but just being very particular about asking the questions and just quite applying a little bit of critical thinking to it as well. I think there are a lot of resources out there, but I, that's why I provide the podcast that I do. So hopefully when they do their research, they come across the podcast and it's not someone trying to sell them something and someone just tried to give them simple information that is going to be relative to someone's journey in the early stages. So I think podcast is probably the best place I'd recommend on to. And then if you like the host and what they're saying sounds like it makes some sense, then go and consume more of their content. Just don't, yeah, don't go here, don't, don't go to me, to another coach, to 50 other coaches, because then that's where the message is going to come from. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Just try and find someone who sounds like 
they've got a little bit of common sense. They don't sound like they're selling anything to you too much and they, you should be yeah, providing a lot of decent content. So yeah, just to one more tangent on that front is that although the industry seems to be full of people trying to sell you stuff. It's also, if you look hard enough, full of people trying to provide valuable and actionable education for no other means other than providing a free resource mm. to help you. Absolutely. Like I've had, I don't know, um, at least 20, maybe 30 or maybe more people on this podcast that are all like have given me their time for free to just know they're, they're not getting anything in return really, only that they might help even one person by providing them with solid information and value. So as you said, there are, there are more of us around. We just you just might need to look for them. And I did, did see recently, like Instagram took away. I don't know exactly what it was, but it was, I think it was along the lines of kind of like fat loss pills and stuff. I think they sort of have banned them a little bit. Or if you're mm-hmm. claiming any kind of fat loss supplements and stuff like that, I think so. Things are kind of starting to move in the right direction, where you can't just post anything online because it's very easy to get caught up in looking at. Before and after, I'm going, okay, I need to cut out carbs for the rest of my life, or I need to like go on like 400 calories, you know, and mm. that's a, a dangerous place for a lot of people. Um, yeah, so what this are, might be a bit of a sorry, just to interrupt no, that. Go on, yeah. I was just gonna say it might be a bit of an unpopular opinion, but I don't see anything wrong with going mainstream as long as the person has some credibility, right? For example, people might bash people like Joe Wicks, for example, but that's been an incredible place for so many people to start. And if you do Joe Wicks's workouts and if you go and buy his recipe books, it's not going to be the most tailored thing in the world to you. But if you're coming from a baseline of no nutritional or training education whatsoever, it's actually a very, very good place to start. And someone who comes to mind is like Dr. Rangan Chatterjee. I don't really consume his content, but he's a doctor and he's not just trying to, you know, give you, you know, quick information that you might receive in a GP practice. He's got a podcast, he's got all these type of things. So there's nothing wrong with these mainstream people leave as long as it's not the influencer that's just come off the back of Love Island to sell you X, Y, and Z, right? It's not getting mistaken by their image, but saying, okay, well, is this person in good shape? Is he helping people or is she helping people get in good shape? And do they have credibility to their name in the terms of qualifications or education to actually be speaking from their level of expertise and their education, their resources, not their resources, but their experience as well? Yeah, for sure. I think that's a good point. And I think one of the main things with that as well is to just be open and be curious as well. So like if you have questions, like ask them or if you want to go and see what someone else is saying just to see, and then you can formulate your own opinions and ideas about things. And everyone's idea around food and nutrition and what's healthy is going to be so, so different and varied. And that's absolutely fine. And as you said, someone like Joe Wicks, like doing nothing is, is a whole lot worse than maybe following something like that that's more mainstream that's actually getting you to move a bit more and usually eat healthier or be at least more mindful of your food choices that's still going to be a massive plus and a step in the right direction what are what are kind of maybe we'll say like three things that you've learned like over your your fitness journey like your own fitness journey over the last i don't know was it 10 years longer yeah, it's over 10 years myself yeah. personally. I've been yeah, coming up to 10 years in the industry of as being a coach now. So it's been a lot, <laughs> to be completely yeah. honest. I mean, you know, I now I've got the podcast and it kicked off in 2020. And each year now I do like a top 10 things I learned about health and fitness in just the last year. So it's so easy to think that, you know, you, you're three or four years into it and you've learned just about everything there is to know, but then you're, you know, 12, 13, 14 years down the line, you're still <laughs> learning things every single year because of health and fitness is changing so rapidly but also life is changing rapidly and at the end of the day we're working mostly with our own bodies with other people's bodies in real life situations so the more that life changes the more that that changes but if i was to put it into three things i think one of the first things that comes to my mind is like there is no rush whatsoever like putting an arbitrary timeline to achieve x y or z is not going to be the thing that helps you set yourself up for success in the long term like i think of course, having goals and having yeah a six month time frame to achieve something or a three month time frame to achieve something is amazing and it helps us stay accountable. But I've actually speaking to Chris Knott on my own podcast last week and we spoke about like people will go for six months and they'll be like, I want to lose 12 kilos and they'll come away, lost 10 kilos and be incredibly disappointed by the fact they didn't lose those final two kilos. And you're just like, you're missing the point here. You just lost 10 kilos. It's incredible. That's a significant, that could be a life-changing amount of weight to many, many people. So I think that's the first learning that people give people is to make sure that they do 
just acknowledge that it's not going to happen overnight and it also doesn't need to happen overnight right if you want to sustain your health and fitness for a long term which i think a lot of people do now it's just like make more long-term choices rather than thinking the immediate term the second is probably what we just touched on there is just investing your resources time energy money in a place that's going to return your investment to you without a lot of trial and error like i was obviously very very young when i first started so i had to do a lot of this research myself i didn't have the financial means to go find a coach or something along those lines but the beauty of the world that we live in now is there's so many coaches who will provide a service for you and who have done all the legwork to get to where they have done and they are then able to give you the information that you won't be able to receive from a book or a training video like you can literally go to someone who's worked with people just like you and get the blueprint and the formula to your success so if i was given a little bit of advice to my whole self it would have been to invest in like a coach or some type of educational resource sooner whatever my um, funds would allow and the last thing i would say is just not to get stuck in one form of training or one methodology when it comes to your diet as well. Ultimately, I think if I've summarized my three points, it comes down to sustainability and how can we maintain this for the long term? None of us just want to be in shape for a holiday or a year. We want to be shaped for the rest of our lives for the most part. And the reason we don't stay in shape is because we haven't found a sustainable approach. So if we find that bodybuilding after two years might be a great way to get us into the gym, but it's actually incredibly boring two or three years down the line, don't think that I've just been invested two to three years in bodybuilding and this is all i know think okay well what else can i try can i try crossfit can i try gymnastics can i try this hit class on the weekend that seems more appealing so ultimately you do have to go down specific routes if you want to get specific goals but most of us don't want to be the one percent we don't want to be the elite so at the end of the day it just comes down to choosing the thing that you're most likely to do and quite often that's going to be the thing you enjoy both with your diet and both with your nutrient yeah both with your diet and both with your training as well yeah, absolutely. I think enjoyment leads to sustainability because if you have to get up at six in the morning and go do a CrossFit class and you hate CrossFit, like it's it's going to be very hard to get out of bed. Um, whereas if you maybe you did something like Pilates or a dance class or like exercise doesn't have to be like in the gym, it can be any form. It can be going for a walk, it can be going for a run, whatever you enjoy and just finding that it's going to lead to sustainability. Yeah. Precisely. And a lot of people will ask me like how I maintain my health and wellness for such a long time. Like Genuinely, I enjoy my avocado on toast and my eggs in the morning just as much as I enjoy going out for a burger. And I don't say that because of I love healthy food. There is a lot of foods that I would much prefer to eat over than your typical quote unquote healthy food. But like genuinely, I've got myself to a point where I enjoy those dishes just as much. So I don't feel like I'm missing out. So mm-hmm. that is what else allows me to sustain things. Same with my training as well. It's like most of the time I'm itching to get into the gym because I found a, a method that I genuinely enjoy. Uh, but if you just told me to go to the gym and say, on an exercise bike for 45 minutes so i'd probably be the unfittest person in the world if that was the only form of exercise that i could do yeah and unfortunately i do see a lot of people kind of associating like weight loss with cardio or weight loss with running they're like i have to do this to lose weight so um maybe what are some of the like biggest misconceptions that you you deal with with your clients in terms of like weight loss we'll say from someone who has no not much prior kind of knowledge around weight loss or maybe have tried a few things. Yeah, I think to encapsulate it all, it would just be that there is a specific way to do something in order to achieve the result that they're after. I think quite often we go in with these ideas that it could be the training program that we have to follow or it could be the nutrition plan that we have to follow or the foods that we can or can't eat. I think there's many, many misconceptions, but I think that it's, a lot more simple than we would like to think it is. I think that we'd all like to think that health and fitness is a little bit more complicated. And don't get me wrong, there is nuances, complexities, and there's different bodies and different ways of responding when individuals will put one diet into someone and one diet into the next person. There's going to be very, very different results from those two people. But fundamentally, it's not as complicated as it might seem. Ultimately, it comes down to yeah, getting your calorie balance correctly and just making sure you're eating enough protein, you're drinking enough water, you're sleeping enough at night, you're keeping your stress in a relatively good place, and you've got enough activity in your week to create a little bit of a deficit if fat loss is your goal, for example. And the same goes for muscle building as well. And I think quite often it's not necessarily that the plans are the problem, it's more our expectations of what they'll create. So I think one of the biggest misconceptions is that we're going to get the results a lot sooner than we anticipate, right? A lot of people think that, you know, two, three, four weeks on track and I, you know, I, I deserve the world. And I was saying this to one of my clients recently is that 
you know, he was talking about, I've been 110% on point for like these past three or four days. Don't get me wrong. He put in a lot of good work for that. It's like four days. Um, my weight increases and it fluctuates. And I was like, if you were a robot and if you're a machine, I would have a problem. Like, but at the end of the day, your body is not an algorithm, right? It's like, yes, you know, we expect something to happen when we put a certain amount of food in and we expend a certain amount of energy, but we can't predict what's going on under the hood. But I think there's far more complexity within our bodies than we can really ever understand. But when it comes down to what we need to do in order to create those shifts, we're not necessarily punching in numbers and expecting exact result. We're basically increasing the probability that we are going to get the result from consuming those foods or going for all the things that I just said. But what we need to look at is the course of the, the way the trajectory is going, right? The line in which the scales are going down, not whether it's going up, down, up, down, up, down, but whether it's trending in the right direction. And I think that's what it comes down to. It's like dropping our expectations to think that, you know, I was great for five days and therefore i should get these results it's like you know if, if you didn't like your body is ultimately one that makes that that call at the end of the day and all you can do is take your boxes as consistently as possible do it for a long enough period of time and if you don't get the results you want then either you need to tweak that plan potentially but quite often it's not even that it's just that there's something else that needs to be done like looking to sleep a little bit more looking into your stress a little bit more or the simple thing of just being a little bit more patient and continue to do it for a longer time mm -hmm. frame that's what I was, I was going to say, like two of the biggest things I think people need is just more patience and more consistency. And if you're not happy with the results and you've been patient, then look back at, okay, how consistent was I with these target, mm. targets I was supposed to hit? Like, did I get my three workouts in every week for the last, you know, six, 12 weeks or however long it is? And if you are patient enough and consistent enough and there's a solid plan in place, which requires a bit of knowledge. And I do think that's where coaches come in and they can help you or you can do your Absolutely. own research. That's fine, but it will take you longer and you have to sift through the stuff yourself of, is this right or is this wrong? Or is this going to steer me in the right direction or the wrong direction? Like, so I think that they're two of the biggest things you need on top of knowledge in order to actually get to where you want to be. Um, Absolutely. And I have a perspective on that. That's kind of unpopular. So I don't actually believe that plateaus, exist for about 99% of us. I don't think they do whatsoever. And I run through this and I go through all those things I just said, you know, have you trained the amount of times that you're prescribed by your coach? And did you train to the best of your ability? Did you consume your nutrition plan to absolute T or did you hit those macros to an absolute T? Did you take all your supplements? Did you consume the amount of water you did, you were supposed to? Did you manage your stress to the best of your ability? Did you sleep as well as you could? Did you get those seven to nine hours of quality sleep? And like I run through a list of like eight or nine things. And then I ask him, like, have you done this for like four weeks on end? I'm like, well, you're an incredible human. Like you are literally the one percent because not even I do that. Yeah. And like, and we can't control these things. You can't control if your neighbor are having a party and they mess up your sleep for two or three nights right so ultimately i don't think that i think we put it down to like oh my weight loss is slowing down i must be experiencing a plateau but actually if we look back and say and as you mentioned just then it's like have i been consistent but also how much have i actually been given because quite often i think we I have a feeling that we're doing more than we actually are is like another good example i give and if people want to use this it's like imagine you've got a coach or someone you look up to when it comes to health and fitness and imagine that you were training and they weren't there to motivate you. They were just looking over your shoulder and just checking that you were doing things the way that you say that you're doing things, right? That your training would be 10 times different. It would be like 20%, you'll be training probably with 20 to 30% more intensity. You would be focusing more on your form. You'd be keeping to your rest periods even more. If I was just there, I wasn't even motivating you. I was just keeping an eye on you whilst you were training, right? And then that Start makes you think, I was like, well, what else am I cutting corners on? And then once you have that realization, it's like, well, maybe it isn't a plateau. Maybe it's just that I could get away with that in the early stages where weight loss was a little bit easier and muscle gain was a little bit easier. But now I'm squeezing, you know, my results to the point at which I'm closer to where I want to be. It's going to get harder. So I might have to get a little bit more. Yeah, absolutely. And that's even something I've benefited from as I had a coach last year for eight months. And I have all the knowledge I could do it myself, but it just shows the importance of accountability and some guidance and someone there. But now when I do train and I notice myself slipping, I'll think of my coach's voice in my ear going, slow it down or, you know, focus or push more here. And that's stayed with me since. So that just shows the power as well of, of having somebody in your corner like that. And I think, as you said, if you can imagine that they're they're watching over you, not like judging you, but they're just there keeping an eye on you, you're like, okay, I could be doing a little bit better here. I could make this 1% difference here and all those differences, they all add up. Um, Literally. 
where when did you start i think you said it was 2020 you started the podcast what made you kind of decide to start that and what sort of a journey has that been so far it's been incredible yeah i've loved the podcast and everything that's come from it so far um my journey started realistically with youtube i was very much into youtube like Mm. some years ago um maybe 2014 was when i produced my first video like a a couple of years into being a personal trainer and i went down the route of doing like fitness videos and some vlogs and stuff like that and then i kind of just put it on pause whilst i focused on instagram and my on my in-person coaching actually i was focusing on just getting results with the people that i was working with and i didn't spend too much time on social media so took a bit of a hiatus from youtube spent some time essentially perfecting my craft both on the gym floor and within the online realm and i was kind of missing that creative outlet youtube was great um i mean not youtube was great instagram was great and that was probably the one thing i was consistent on but as you know Instagram doesn't allow for no nuance and social media generally doesn't allow for nuance, but the beauty of a podcast and the conversation you and I are having right now is the, you know, I can speak on something. Of, yeah. Exactly. I can speak for like five or 10 minutes and hopefully I hope that I've got people's attention and they're not just going to click off and scroll to the next TikTok or reel that, you know, is on their feed. And I think that's the beauty of the podcast. It was like, I want a place where I provide the quick hit knowledge on Instagram, you know, maybe Facebook and, and I am making a return to youtube as well so that those boxes are going to be ticked but where can i really express my full level of thoughts and have permission to do that and not worry about lining myself with a specific algorithm ultimately i just have to have a topic and have an opinion and go for it so i started off with that and eventually transitioned into getting more guests on the podcast as well i went on a bit of a journey last year where i did daily episodes for I think it was a total of 189 days, I think it was. So we went up from doing like, I think I started on like 48 podcasts and I ultimately ended up on like 250 or something like that. must have been like 56 to 250. Um, So that was a massive, massive journey. And it's just been growing and evolving since then. And I think the beauty of the podcasting thing is like, if someone comes to this in 2025, they won't necessarily look at it as like a bad interview. They're just going to listen to it and be like, oh, I, you know, I like the podcast. I like Yana's podcast and I like Elliot. So let me have a listen to this and see how it goes. Whereas if you see a piece of content from Instagram from like three years ago, you'd be like, why are you showing me this? Yeah, you, A, you wouldn't even see it. And if someone put it in your face, you'd be like, why are you showing me that? It's like showing the like food that's gone off or something along those lines, right? So that's the beauty of podcasts. I think they almost are like, they age well, you know? Just so that's the test why. of time, yeah. They really do. And like some of the episodes that I produced on my very, very first podcast, they still get listened to until this day, even though there's 260 plus episodes on there now. Mm. So I think that's the beauty of it. It's like, it's been very rewarding because of A, I've been able to speak openly. I've been able to go into nuance, give people the full perspective on what I want to give and whether they want to listen to it or not is their choice. And I've been super, super blessed that people have it's been so well received and people have been open to listening to it so that's been the journey of the podcast so far like i said we're going to be breaking into youtube soon enough so i'm looking forward to that and expanding even further and yeah i'm just looking forward to the potential of it what made you start your podcast what made me start it i i think as you said with like in terms of a creative outlet i've always had something like that and for me youtube was my first one as well but it was actually gaming youtube Uh, and like that was my first i earned my first fifty dollars from like a partnership company in america when i was like 14 15 from youtube so i kind of did youtube but i was always anonymous on that never showed my face because i was too shy and then (laughs) that transitioned into like instagram and then i had the idea of doing a podcast and i delayed for i would say two years and eventually just said right fuck this i'm putting this off the same way people are putting off the gym and just gave myself a a deadline with the help of paul dermody who i think you know as well he's like when are you doing this podcast and i was like what podcast (laughs) It was, you told me last time we were talking, you were doing a podcast. I was like, oh, fuck. It's like, he's not doing this, is he? He's like, when are you doing it? I was like, uh, uh, and I was like, I gave him a date three months from now. I was like, I'll do it then. He, was, he goes, that's that's way too long. That's like two or three months. He said, what, what are you doing for the rest of the day? And I was like, I have time. Because I was quite I was quite quiet at the time. It was the start of the pandemic, I think. Um, or just before it. And he said, right, I want it done by Monday. I want to see it by Monday. You've you have time to do it. I was like, fuck, okay, I'll get it done. And that just pushed me to do it. And that's where it like started from. And I had it ready for that. I had it ready for Monday, but I had some problems with like, I wasn't using Anchor. I was using a different platform. I can't remember now, but it was very challenging. Um, 
you had to put in the your own like RSS feeds and stuff and everything was manual and I was like this is so outdated and then I found mm-hmm. Anchor anyway I had it up by Tuesday um so I was off by a day but then I just decided right I need to commit to this and go much from there. quicker in the three months though right <laughs> yeah definitely and within the three months I, I had probably five six seven guests on and I'm approaching I don't know what episode 50 something anyway at the minute and this year for me then is all about like getting guests on which is why you're on and I have another person on later on this evening and because I didn't really prioritize that the first year year and a half is just me getting used to it and not really posting consistently whereas this year it's like okay I'm posting every week if I can some weeks I'm traveling and I don't get to but you know some weeks there's two done and I do get to do that so this year the main focus is getting guests on growing the audience growing the reach as well and similar to yourself it's just to give value like i'm not earning off this or anything i just think that it's it's interesting as well that people decide to put you in their ears that they're like i'm going to listen to this person's voice for my half an hour car journey or my walk or whatever and i've gotten some great feedback from that so it's it's really nice to get that feedback and i know myself from listening to podcasts when you listen to them it's almost like you're part of that conversation it's like that person is talking to you and especially if if there's things they touch on that resonate with you like it can it can have a significant impact on you whereas as you said with instagram which i do use and tiktok and all that you look at something you go oh that's cool it's interesting and then next thing you're on to like a food story or whatever you're on to something else two seconds later and it's gone out of your head whereas i have had with, with podcasts myself someone could say one thing i'm like that stuck with me and yeah. you know something that comes to mind is i i don't even remember the podcast i was listening to but it was just the quote that you know if you once you find your why you can overcome any how and i was like that i was like shit i need to write that down and it was like right i found my why and i was like i can overcome any how and that was it so i saw the power of podcasts and was like i need to do this even though i don't want to put myself on camera i hated the sound of my own voice it's like this is these are the two reasons why i need to do this even more so that's that's why i started a podcast oh, man um, you have a lovely voice don't tell that anyone tell you anything. <laughs> <laughs> thank you <laughs> it's funny because some people are like oh i listen to your podcast and then i fell asleep i'm like i'm going to take that as a compliment they're like you've a really calm <laughs> soothing voice i'm like good because i was worried like i was like oh i sound like a fool and all of these things these are all you know this judgment that, that you give yourself and i think it's not too dissimilar to starting off in the gym when you're like oh i'm gonna look like like an idiot i'm gonna mess up everyone's gonna be looking at me especially if you have a bit of extra weight on no one no one really cares everyone's in their own world and the things that you pick up as your flaws no one else even even notices them no absolutely i had a similar thing when i first kicked off my youtube channel i think that i was a newer personal trainer at the time and i was more thinking about you know what are the other trainers going to think of me when yeah. i put out this content and i think i was just able to like rip off the, the band-aid or rip off the plaster whatever you want to call it and just think like they shouldn't even be watching my youtube channel like these are the people i'm not not creating content for other trainers yeah. i'm creating content for the people i want to help which are people who are new to the health and fitness world and ultimately I have a good level of interest. I've done my own personal journey. I have also worked with a lot of people now and I can help people. So the only, yeah, like you just mentioned, it's like the only person who's going to really recognize those things is yourself. So that, and that was the case with my YouTube channel. No one really said anything to me about it. And once I was able to, it was momentum from there. And so fortunately when it came to the podcast, it was just a case of more just believing in the way that I wanted to do it because I was like, okay, it's really important that, I remain consistent of this. If I do this, I don't want to be one of these people mm. who has a podcast, takes a six month, um, you know, hiatus and then never comes back. Like I think taking breaks from time to time is absolutely fine. If you're not inspired, if you don't feel super creative, I don't mm-hmm. necessarily see the point of pushing yourself to produce. There are so many people who will start a podcast. They have five episodes and then they don't do it anymore. And I just didn't want to be a part of that number. So I was like, I want to make sure that if I commit to this, I go all in with it. And I want to make it something that I don't just, you know, strip the audio from a random Instagram live I had with someone. I want to really produce something of value because if, like you mentioned, people are part of the conversation. They're putting your voice in their ears versus someone else. And I see that as very, very valuable. And it's like, if I've got, and this comes back to what we said here, we don't get much attention on Instagram. But if I've got someone's attention and full undivided attention on a podcast, I want to make sure that I'm providing them as much value as I possibly can. So that's where I took the responsibility of a podcast very, very seriously. And um, yeah, I think that that's where we need to just recognize that if you have a platform and you're able to um, to provide some value, ultimately your insecurities only really sit with you. And if you can overcome that barrier and just make something you're proud of, it will be one of the best things you can do. 
Definitely. And you're now approaching nearly 200,000 downloads, I think, which is savage. Which is a very, a very, very good feat. <laughs> um, so what do you think kind of, I guess, what as some, this is just purely um, for my own learning, I guess, what do you feel like helped you gain like a lot of momentum in terms of like downloads and getting more and more listeners? So I know there'd be someone else that would be interested in this. As yeah, well, I have. Mm, yeah, I have a lot of questions about this, especially when sometimes I post the numbers or I post the rankings and yeah, it's ranked in, you know, higher in the health and fitness charts or fitness charts in the UK. And I wish I had secrets, you know, I wish I had like the magic <laughs> secret like and silver else. bullet that I could give to people. It is. And it's the same when it comes to fat loss. It's like, can I really just tell this person it's consistency? And I'll try and obviously go past that. I mean, ultimately it is consistency. It's like at the end of the day, like if you've got a podcast that's going out X amount of times per week, if you've got a consistent listener base, which you will grow if people are genuinely interested in the content you're creating. So maybe we should start there, have some decent content, you know, have entertaining conversations, have valuable conversations. Like when you create a podcast, know what people are coming to you for. For me, they're coming for simple and actionable advice that they can apply to their health and fitness journey. And as long as I deliver on that every time, then that's a box ticked in my eyes. Someone who comes and hears the intro and says, okay, I'm coming to Elliot's podcast. He says he's getting simple and actionable advice. They get what they came for. So that's mm-hmm. the most important thing. And that will create people's understanding of like, okay, when I go to Elliot's podcast, I get this. There's no I'm, oh, will I get that golden nugget? And this is sometimes, I know that we're having a fairly organic conversation, but I think that the way that we are flowing makes it such that it's valuable. But I think sometimes people think it's just a back and forth conversation. I'm like, if your podcast is to have open conversations with someone, amazing. But if you, some people don't want to search for that golden nugget, they want it provided. So that was my, that was something very important for me is that I wanted to make sure that they come away and with something they can genuinely apply to their journey. So if you get that, you're probably, yeah, if you match up with what you're trying to provide with what you're actually delivering, you're probably going to create a listener base. And obviously the more content you produce and you deliver on that promise, the more people are going to keep coming back and they will consume every single episode, hopefully. And then, I mean, I started off by doing things exclusively solo so that I had no one else to rely on but myself. I didn't have to rely on getting a guest. And as you know, that's, you know, it's a full-time job in itself sometimes to just Mm -hmm. reach out to the right people and get the people on your show that, again, and this is something that'd be very, very true to is that I don't want to just get someone on the show just for the sake of filling a slot. I want someone who has something genuinely interesting to say and who has an opinion that I believe could provide value to someone. And so in keeping integrity with what you're trying to produce and also respecting your listeners, like I said earlier, like the fact that they put me in their ears and the amount of podcasts or content full stop that people consume and the fact they choose the Simply Fit podcast is meaningful to me. So I want to deliver on my promise, whether it's a solo episode or a guest promise. So it's a guest episode, I should say. But so to summarize, I think the key is to know exactly why you are creating this podcast and what the listener is going to gain from that because of at the end of the day, people want to have something like they want to know what's in it for them. And if you're like an influencer and people just love hearing about your life, you might be able to just hit record and talk about yourself and that might be fine. But I don't think, I don't certainly have that. And I don't think you do either. So we're not just allowed to talk about our life and people could consume it. So I need to be like, okay, what are my listener getting? Am I being true to that in every single episode? And then ultimately, I think what allowed me to gather the most momentum was doing the daily episodes. So people knew that they were going to get something fresh and new every single day from me. And now I'm just going to sustain it to a week and allow yeah things to steadily flow. So three things, having the core fundamental reason why I was doing the podcast, delivering on that promise, and then being consistent. Hmm. Not too dissimilar to any other goal if you want to lose weight. Know your why, know your reason. What a surprise. Consistent with it and, and deliver on what you said you'd deliver on. Same same secret across the board. Yeah, it's, but people it's, don't like want to hear what they want to hear. It's a, where can it's I put it and get like 100,000 downloads mm, tomorrow? It's surprising not too simple. Yeah. Um, so I know that you exactly travel. Did. Sorry, there's a bit of a delay. I think you, I know that you travel quite a lot. Um, what are some of kind of the, we'll say, challenges and advice you have around maybe traveling and maintaining some sort of fitness routine um, and not going too far off the kind of health and fitness journey? Because right now we're in the middle of summer and there's a lot of people on holidays mm. and it can be a bit of a tricky spot. 
Yeah, absolutely. It's one of those things that I've learned the hard way <laughs> through my own experiences and lessons. I actually did a podcast on this. I think it is literally on the topic of how to stay in shape whilst you're traveling or something mm. along those lines, or the yeah. top five things that I've personally learned whilst traveling as well. And I think the first thing that you have to do is believe that it's possible. I think a lot of us have this expectation and understanding that when we go on holiday, it equals gaining weight, it equals letting our hair down, quote unquote, which means consuming a lot of food and doing absolutely no exercise at all. And I appreciate that that is typical of many of us, but why does that have to be your narrative now? And one of my favorite things to do with my clients is to ask them like, what aspect of the holiday uh, are you looking for in terms of the enjoyment part? And they're like, oh, you know, I just want to, I just want to enjoy myself. I'm like, but what does enjoying yourself truly mean? And like, for me, it doesn't mean like binging on the dinner buffet and being barely able to move and then feeling sluggish as you get into bed. It's like, yeah, having some freedom and flexibility with your nutrition, but it's not like binging. I think that there's like almost a bit of a peak, right? So let's say you have one slice of pizza, you enjoy it. So enjoyment and, um, enjoyment and fulfillment and sorry, enjoyment and the way you feel are in line with each other. Okay. Have a second slice of pizza. Okay. Enjoyment is still traveling up at the same rate, but as soon as you hit a certain threshold and you have to determine where this is, you might get to half that pizza and anything after that, your enjoyment is either staying the same or it's actually reducing because of how you're going to feel the next day or how you feel within yourself, whether that's in the short term down to like indigestion or just feeling lethargic and terrible or the conflict it has with your health and fitness goals. So I think it's so important that we recognize that more food and less exercise doesn't necessarily equal more enjoyment. There is a threshold. And I think it's so important that we don't think of the holiday as just like the let loose, but understand that there's a threshold to the enjoyment and we just need to rewrite that narrative that we have of our mind in our minds of what an enjoyable holiday looks like because of I, I say this around Christmas time as well. And I think this really helps a lot of people. I said, if you had your Christmas holidays or whatever you celebrate, whether it's Eid, whether it's Hanukkah, whether it's Diwali, right? If you take away the food and you put everything else in place, you still have an incredible time with your family, friends, your loved ones, and the celebration is still amazing. If you take away the family, the friends, and the celebration, it's just you sitting there with food. So is it really the food that makes the occasion or is it the actual celebration of the people around you? And it's the same as a holiday as well. It's like, it's your time away from your normal stressful environment. It's the quality time where you spend with your family, your friends, or with yourself. It's that opportunity to read that book that you couldn't do or to have that conversation you couldn't have. And yes, that can be accompanied by a few drinks or dinners, et cetera, but it doesn't have to be the sole focus and actually overdoing it is usually going to be the, have the opposite impact of what you wanted to feel. So that's probably my perspective on holidays, but as my traveling and my lifestyle is consistent, like, like I don't have a home base. I'm literally going from country to country. It's like, I really had to realize that I wasn't on a holiday. So when I go to a new country and, you know, I, I tell this story about when I was walking to a coffee shop to do some work and I see people, I was in Lisbon at the time. I see people drinking a beer at 10 AM. I'm like, oh, that like, I don't even really like beer, but that looks really appealing right now. They're just sitting outdoors in the sun, looking at the view, having a beer. And I was like, you know, like you can't think that you're on holiday on a Tuesday morning at 10 AM and go have a beer. Like not that I was going to do that, but there was that temptation of like, I want to be on holiday too. And I think that the realization I had to have was that, you know, when you're in work, focus on work. When you're relaxing, focus on relaxing and enjoying yourself. But you can't get into the mindset of like, if you are consistently traveling on a long-term basis, you can't just say, oh, actually, I'm you know, I'm going to be, I'm only going to be here once, you know, I'm going to make the most of this. I'm going to have all the beers and pasta donatas or whatever you might have in Lisbon, because, you know, I've only got this one time. Like for me, I spent three months in Lisbon. So if I went wild every single day, I would have been 15 kilos overweight and very unproductive probably. So I think the big realization I had was that create that separation. And that's where my structure and routine comes in. So I think that even if you know, maybe this isn't so applicable to someone just going on holiday, but when it comes to traveling, I think keeping your structure and routine in place to accomplish the things that you have to do slash want to do when it comes to your work and your personal, um, you know, your personal things that essentially you want to complete your training, your meditation, all that type of stuff. Um, and then 
separating that away from all the enjoyment time that you have just the freedom time ultimately i think that's what it comes down to that structure will create the ability if you have, have spontaneity and enjoyment so i think that that's what it comes down to it's just remembering if you are consistently traveling you're not on holiday so create your structure and make sure that you factor those key things in but yeah i'd highly encourage if anyone's doing consistent like traveling then to listen to that podcast because it's going to be really helpful because the mm. The advice I give to people who are on holiday versus consistent traveling are, are quite different because they, there's a lot of differences between the two of them. Yeah, for sure. And it comes down to like, what's your priority for the holidays to reduce stress, chill out, enjoy yourself, lie down, sunbathe, drink cocktails all day, and you enjoy every bit of that. That's absolutely fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But then like, you know, I have a client that just came back from holidays and she's she travels quite a lot. I think this is her third or fourth time this year and she's going again next week but she decided right i'm gonna have she's a yoga instructor as well but she said i'm gonna have like you know an active holiday but i'm also gonna enjoy my drinking and she was like kayaking and walking and did five workouts and two yoga sessions and that's fine but that's not for everybody but she said she never felt as in as much in control as she ever has i guess or she's never felt as in control in terms of like holidays because usually as you said there's this idea okay when i'm on holidays i have to get like pissed drunk i have to you know, sunbathe and do nothing. I have to, for me, when I go on holidays or if I go somewhere, if I get to try out a new gym, like it's not going to make the holiday, but it will, it will add to the enjoyment of my trip and my holiday. Like that's one of my, I was in Boston only a few weeks ago and I tried, I went to the gym once and it was just so different to the gyms in Ireland that that was so cool. And I'll remember that, you know, so everyone's idea of a holiday and a trip and enjoyment is different as well but one of the biggest pieces of advice i give as well is that creating structure and routine even if you are on holidays like just whether it's get up at a set time or have three main meals like if that's all you do and you don't focus on calories you don't focus on what you're eating or anything else like things will fall into place but if there's no structures no routine it's the same way like you know when you're in school and you have a set time that you get up and you have lunch time at this time and dinner is at four or five p.m and then all of a sudden it's summer holidays and things go kind of arseways and you know it completely changes that's mm. because there's no routine and it's a, the same for like school teachers so try to create a sense of routine for yourself on like days off or holidays and stuff and that routine doesn't have to be like every yeah. hour it could just be get up at 9 a.m like that could that could be it or get to bed at 11 p.m or 10 p.m or Yeah, exactly what you're going to say. It doesn't even have to be like an hour for hour thing. It might be just that I am a little bit more sensible at breakfast and that is part of my routine for the day. And I eat that between the hours of 10 and 11 because that's when the buffet finishes. Like it literally can be that simple. I'm not a big proponent on people like creating immense amount of structure. Like I love structure myself, but again, I'm not expecting you to make an abundance of progress on that week. But coming back to what you just said, like I would challenge anyone who says lying on the sunbed and just drinking cocktails endlessly is their idea of fun. I reckon that's like 1% of people. I think the same amount of people who enjoy being super disciplined on holiday is the same amount of people who enjoy just getting absolutely off their face every day and doing nothing. I don't think that's the large amount of people. I think everyone finds themselves somewhere in the middle. It could be closer towards the line of going crazy with alcohol and food, or it could be closer to the line of being a little bit more active. I guarantee you everyone is not everyone, but like 95% or 98% of people are in that mid range. And like the one or two extremes are going to be like, yeah, the one out of a hundred people. I would, once you challenge your own beliefs because of, you might think that's the most enjoyable way to do things, but it just might be the way that you're used to doing things. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think awareness is what gives you that kind of power that allows you to decide, right, what do I actually want to do? Not what is maybe my family doing or what are the people I'm doing with, you know, and I've been on holidays where it's been boozy holidays and it's 2 a.m. in the morning. I'm like, I'm fucking wrecked and I want to get up tomorrow. I'll, I'll dip out and let people stay up till 6 a.m. because that's what they want to do. But I know that my mental health w will be at jeopardy the next day if I decided to stay out at 6 just because they're. And that comes down to awareness, but also just being able to just say, fuck it, I don't care about the backlash. I need to do what I need to do for me as well. Um, cool. So we will probably wrap this up because 50... 50 minutes or so is a long time for people to be listening to us. So there's a question I just have at the end and it's, I always ask it, it's what is happiness to you, Elliot? Ooh, it's a nice question to finish off with. And if I'm completely honest, it's an interesting place in my life to ask me that question because if in the past I didn't prioritize happiness, mm -hmm. I didn't actually think it was that important to be completely honest. I thought it was quite 
fickle almost to prioritize happiness is something that comes and goes. And if I'm honest, like, I don't think it was anything that I felt was very meaningful to work towards. My idea of what was worthwhile to work towards was fulfillment, meaning, and all those type of things. So I've never really prioritized happiness, but I've recently found a lot of happiness in a new relationship that I've in, I've been in, and it's brought me an abundance of joy and happiness. So right now, my perspective on happiness is completely different. And I never thought that my perspective would change on it so dramatically, but it really has yeah. been. So I guess that for me, chasing the idea of being happy, and again, I had a, funny enough, I had a podcast on how to be happy with quote unquote, Dr. Happy. And I remember his thought process on this as well. And I think that ultimately, you know, we shouldn't be chasing or measuring or ultimately just trying to <laughs> like put happiness in a bottle and be able to tip it on ourselves every single day. I think ultimately we should strive towards things that make us, you know, have that sense of joy and have that sense of happiness. And even if it's within the very, very minute things, like having a good coffee in the morning or seeing the sun when you get up, but also underpinning that, I think purpose and meaning are so important because ultimately if I have my coffee and I have the sun, but I have no sense of that purpose and meaning of what mm -hmm. I'm going to do with my life and my day, I don't think I'm going to be really a happy or fulfilled. Whereas if I have just the meaning and purpose without those moments of joy and happiness, which I'm experiencing recently, I found that, yeah, it can lead you to a very productive, effective, and again, purposeful life, but you miss out on seeing the things that bring an enormous smile to your face and those things that, you know, you just laugh at and the things you're going to remember, you know, in 50 years time, for example. So I think what happiness really is to me is finding both the things that bring you joy and also the things that bring you meaning and purpose and trying to have both of those present in your life. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. It's, it's interesting as well, how like our perspectives and beliefs change as well. Like I've had a lot of those where I've been like, how did I think this way? But it's only when you're actually open and see how another way of thinking can be that you're like you start to challenge those own beliefs and i think the important thing there is to be open to change and not be in any fixed mindset of it has to be this way or i have to think this way the more open you are and the more willing you are to learn the better because you can adapt and you, you're constantly progressing and changing as well as you go through life it's not always going to be you know the a and i you, you would have had a podcast with two years ago would be very different from Dana, you're talking to today, like, you know, and even yesterday, we might have had a very different conversation. I think that's interesting as well. Um, yeah, perfect. Yeah, where, I couldn't agree more, dude. I couldn't agree more. Where can people find you or where would you like to direct them if they've listened to this podcast? I'm sure they like podcasts, so maybe your own podcast. So first of all, thank you for having me. And it's been a pleasure to have this conversation. I really, really enjoyed it. And if people do want to keep up with what I'm doing, the best place to find the podcast, first and foremost, is going to be The Simply Fit Podcast. It's on Apple, it's on Spotify, and it's soon to be consistently on YouTube as well. And if you want to keep up with my day-to-day -day life, it's and the health and the short like short and sharp health and fitness tip that's going to be instagram which is at elliot hassoon which is e-l-l-i-o-t-h-a-s-o-o-n perfect thanks so much for being on it's a pleasure and that was the simply fit podcast i hope you gained a huge amount of value from today's episode i feel inspired to improve your health and well-being be sure to search for simply fit in apple podcasts google podcasts and spotify or anywhere else you get your podcast from and go ahead and subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Also, if you like the episode, please don't forget to give it a five-star rating. I'd love to hear your feedback or any questions you have. So reach out to me on social media. You'll find me on Facebook and Instagram at Elliot Hassoon. Thank you so much for listening. And I look forward to talking with you all on the next one.